We are judged by our actions, not our intentions. Welcome to Season 2 of Voices of Value, a conversation between Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton and their high-achieving guests from professional sport, Olympians, business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons. If you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. Welcome to Voices of Value. It's Peter Kakos here and Rick Rushton, my good friend, co-presenter. We're back after a, maybe a slight couple, uh, couple of weeks hiatus. We had a bit of a hiatus and, uh, Jesus, did my phone go off with people going, when are you back? What's going on? Like, <laughs> you didn't tell us you were having a break. It's like... I thought I only had to share it with my yeah. immediate family. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd have our first break for the year, but um, but yeah, gee, it was good. so great feedback from just before that break was just before grand final with it Bob was. Murphy, yep. and um, it was so so fantastic to have Bob here and certainly sharing some um, his wonderful story. And and I think if I'm right, I tipped Richmond and I tipped Dusty to win the North Smith. I think I did okay. Yeah, you actually not bad actually there. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, yeah I, I believe that was correct. Thank Rick. you. I, I just wanted a correct. bit of acknowledgement from you. <laughs> <laughs> but today we've got someone. Um, we've got someone that we connected with Rick. Nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. Yeah, twenty six years ago. I was just trying to work that out in my head. Yep. Twenty six years ago, and um, Hobart Convention Centre. Correct. And this conversation today is probably it's going to touch on a little bit of um, the real estate customer service philosophies and so forth. But whenever you talk about customer service philosophies they really run across the realm of um, businesses and uh, Martin's a guy that oh, he loves to challenge the status quo does he, he not? He does and you know we, I guess why there's a, a such, such a strong theme of real estate is because we met him at a real estate conference I just reconnected with him again last month over at Crown in Perth at a real estate conference and he just said mate you know I'd, I'd love to just come on your podcast and just share some stuff that I think is going to work well not just with a real estate audience but across all audiences and then of course you had to go and speak in Perth and I had to go and speak in Hong Kong and you know that, that conference funnily enough in Hong Kong was talking about what the future of business looks like and I'm thinking these guys are just sharing the same stuff he shared 26 years ago to mm. us in an audience and really didn't put much more other than a digitalized spin on it so it's really interesting to have that sort of conversation so it's great we've got him today because he's in demand this is a guy who's been presenting since 1985 Pete so it's not like he's just been doing it for the last little bit he's been doing it's it since 1985 it? he's worked with a hundred different industries more than 500 audiences that across those hundred odd industries so he, he really has a message that's duplicit across every industry and I really encourage the listeners Rick to um, to really stop and think and at the end, certainly at the end of um, uh, this session with Martin is to really assess where where they are at with their customer service and how well they're actually you know, ticking those boxes for their um, for their customers. Yeah, because he is an expert on a number of things, whether that be customer service, the sales process, but he's also trained in psychology. He understands the psychology of selling and he understands, more importantly, what makes a consumer happy and what ticks a consumer off. So it's better off to sort of learn that up front. And you know, he, he's going to challenge us, there's no doubt about that, because every audience he speaks to, he's not there for the rating, the feedback form you know, that says he was a 10 out of 10 speaker. He's there to make sure that people take action. So let's introduce him to our listeners. Martin, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of Voices of Value. Uh, a pleasure indeed. Uh, nice to talk to you guys. Terrific. Martin, look, let's get straight into it because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with what you're seeing out there in the world and, and, and certainly along the customer service line and the expectations 
of what people have now. What, what are the observa- What are some of your just initial observations of um, how how the world has sort of changed, particularly in the last right. sort of five to ten years? I think the interesting thing, you know, across the board is that look, there's massive changes in technology for communications, business, or whatever. But technology changes, but fundamentally people stay the same. Uh, the person who didn't return your phone call 20 years ago is the person who doesn't return your email today. Do, do you know what I mean? And you get just yeah, as upset point. about it, you know, and lack of service and the way we are and the way we are treated uh, out there. Uh, as a, uh, a sad uh, cynic in the industry. I really don't feel that the service levels and, 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 you know, selling skills and whatever probably are much better today than they were 30 years ago. You know, uh, there's a lot of crap and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, not not delivering on promises and, and, and then saying things, you know, in, in, in way people sell themselves, they, they talk cliches instead of true differentiation and, you know, it, 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 I must say generally I find the, the, the level's pretty disappointing and uh, while the technology changes, it's uh, it's the people that make a difference. Do you reckon it's, it's it's harder to differentiate today or is it is it you're finding people are struggling more to articulate their dif- uh, differentiation? Yeah, I don't think it's harder to uh, to differentiate today because you can differentiate in 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 so many areas, you, you know, in 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 the business and whatever whatever you happen to be doing out there. I think uh, what I'm finding out there today, there's a deeper cynicism. I must say, I find the consumer is more cynical uh, than they were uh, 20 years ago, and understandably so. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, a lot of times they've been let down and haven't haven't been looked after. The differentiation uh, really comes into it. Firstly, your product or service differentiation, but then also service differentiation. You know, uh, you know, uh, when I was caught up with Rick and Perth, you know, we talked about this thing I was talking about in real estate about having a, you know, a, a, a guarantee of, of service. You know, you know, I remember I was doing stuff in the industry. Uh, back then and they were talking about um, things that irritated people about real estate agents. And the number one thing was lack of communication during the sales process. You know, they talk all those cliches about we'll go the extra mile and get the best piece for your property. But a lot of times the vendor wants that to be as stress-free as possible and lack of communication and disappointments and letting down, you know, is the stuff that really irritates uh, vendors. And I was saying with the teams I was working with at that time, I said, why don't you guarantee your communication? You know, when you're, when you're putting a listing together, you know, uh, say, look, I, I guarantee to return your phone calls within three business hours. Uh, I will turn up at meetings, things like that. If I fail to do so, just take $200 off our fees every time we let you down because I'm in the business of, of customer service. Whereas a lot of people will promise they'll be good communicators. Uh, very few people in that industry guarantee it. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, that in itself becomes a differentiator uh, of the, the way you do business uh, in in that field, and you take advantage of the fact that if there is low credibility in an industry in that area, well, uh, guarantee of service performance and stuff like that actually becomes a differentiator when it shouldn't be because everybody should return phone calls and do the right thing and communicate uh, wholly during the process. Um, but I find in the service industries, um, a lot of the guarantees are in the product, but not in the service. So, Rick, you, you actually did this service guarantee, didn't you, when you were selling real estate? It was way back in 1993, and I actually sent it off to Martin, having heard him speak from the Hobart Convention Centre, Martin. I don't know if you remember this, but I sent it off to you, and you sent it back with all these edits and changes, and I thought, hmm, gosh, there's a bit to do there. But I thought, no, no, if you've taken the time to make those edits, I'll do the actual changes. And one of them, which was really fantastic, was to say, if I don't deliver on 72 things we've identified, 
identified here, or 77 things we've identified here. If I don't deliver on any one of those, give me 24 hours to fix it up, or you can just rip up the agreement and go. go you're free to go and hire another agent. And I remember thinking, gee, that sounded pretty heavy. And I tried to get through my manager at the time, and he said, oh, I don't think that's going to actually work. You know, it just means they could get out if they really wanted to. And your message to me in them days, Martin, was that people aren't going to look for ways to get rid of you if you're actually really having a red hot go and doing everything you, you're trying to deliver, and, you know, just for an honest mistake. And so I, I, I can't tell you, I think I can count on one hand how many times a vendor would leave me, but I, I couldn't give you the count on how many listings I won because of it. And I think that's the real, uh, the real message here. Yeah, and I think, you know, it applies. It's, it's certainly not unique to real estate, but it applies, I believe, in all service industries. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the thing that irritates people about uh, service default is, is if you don't deliver on service, it's the customer who suffers, <laughs> you know, and they get really pissed off at that and you can apologise and whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, your job in the service industry, whether you're selling real estate or whatever it happens to be out there, is the reason I'm paying you is that you handle all the stuff that's difficult to do and whatever, and I shouldn't have to worry about that. And when you let me down, it gets me upset that I'm the only one that suffers. Now, if you're very good at your service, then there's really no downside to offering a guarantee because you do return phone costs, you turn up, you do all the things you promise to do. The only people that have to worry about it are the people who don't deliver. Um, but when I haven't decided between which real estate agent I am going to hire to sell my property, maybe the guy that puts his money where his mouth is and really backs up his service is more likely to get the business than the person who just makes promises that may not be kept. What about other industries, uh, Martin? What are, you, what are you sort of seeing as some of the other frustrations, other than the simple not returning calls or so forth? What are, what are some of the other frustrations that, um, that consumers or customers have and, and, and then leading to what, what are some of the strategies that people are adopting to overcome those? Well, interesting. Probably the thing I've noticed most, uh, probably in the last maybe uh, ten years, is a lot of industries have commoditized an intangible into a commodity. Uh, and by that I mean they've taken the uh, the the emotion and whatever out of what they're 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 selling, and they've sort of turned it into a. A, a commodity that's basically sold on on price. For example, uh, let me give you an example. I was doing work with a, a company called uh, Crimsafe. They sell um, security screen doors and whatever. Uh, they ran one of the best ads I'd heard on radio years ago. They said, "Imagine how you'd feel if somebody broke into your house and hurt the people you love." Uh, you know, Crimsafe, best security in Australia. Uh, they were selling fear or emotion or anything like that, rather than a screen door. And I think a lot of times people will pay more for an intangible than they will for a commodity, you know? Mm -hmm. And I see it in a, you know, in, in a lot of industries, if you look at it, you know, the, the cosmetics industry and women's sells hope for heaven's sake, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you spend $200, you can look like the celebrity you're never gonna look like. These people are selling an intangible rather than a commodity. And there are a lot of other industries that have sort of commoditized themselves. And I put real estate into this area and like travel, which used to be romance and excitement and traveling is now point to point fares on the internet and the, the, real, and the real estate industry, you know, is, is selling, you know, cliches, we'll get the best price for property and we can do stuff and a lot of stuff that is A, untrue and the client doesn't believe anyway. What they really what should be selling is stress management and, and, you know, and that out there. These people are commoditizing the product and then they're wondering why margins erode in their industries. Like, for example, if you take the real estate industry, it's, you know, I mean, 15 years ago, the average real estate agent was getting 3% commission. Today, he's getting about 2% commission. You know, in 15 years, he'd probably be getting 1% commission. You know, there have a lot of, their, I appreciate land values have increased, but 
there's been a commoditization of the service they are provided. Now people are much more playing one against another and they're saying if they're all the same, I'll go with the cheapest person. And that is, that is a, a terrible thing that's happening in, in real estate and so many other industries. You know, if you like to take the travel industry, you know, you can travel to, uh, you can travel by plane to, from Sydney to Europe or America for the same price today you could in 1985. You know what I mean? There's a lot of industries that have mm. right. taken their margin out by, by just making everything commodity based. And, you know, the skill of selling and the skill of delivering services about hopefully creating an emotional, you know, an experience there that, makes me justify why I invest in the product or service much more than if someone just tells me its features and benefits. Mm. And you've worked work with about 100 different industries uh, and done you know more than 500 presentations across those industries since 1985, Martin. Is there a consistent strategy you offer these particular uh, organisations when you go in there to say, let's identify the challenge and here's two or three quick solutions, some quick wins where you can actually see some some results that are going to show up not just in the immediate action you're doing but in your bottom line? Yeah, well, absolutely. That's, that's the main thing we're trying to do. A lot of time what I'm doing in there is saying to them, look, what people want out there are you know, reasons to justify the expenditure. So if you're selling your services as a real estate agent or whether you're selling screen doors or whatever, what people want are reasons to justify why I'm paying you 2.5% commission or whatever to do that. So you've got to give these people the reasons why, right? So you've, you've, got to, you've got to actually tell them and these maybe product benefits and whatever, but also things you do to add value and the way you are able to communicate uh, the benefits and these things like you take, for example, the, you know, the real estate you know, industry, if you're selling real estate, well, you've got to be telling people, okay, the volume of property you sold, your levels of experience, hopefully testimonials of satisfied vendors, the way you have a communications guarantee, and we'll do everything to go out of the way to make sure everything's as stressful in the, as possible for the vendor in that area. And the challenge is to get as many reasons to justify the fees you are charging or the prices you are charging out there in the marketplace to help the customer decide that, uh, you know, saying things like I am the best and I'll try really hard and cliches and stuff like that, they're just rubbish. And I see them in so many, you know, in so many industries. So the issue of justifying your existence and why people should pay for your services or your products or whatever out there needs to be communicated. And 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 a lot of these are, you know, are, are, are intangible things that need to be communicated in through the equation. Mm. Uh, the Terrible areas is is just lack of recognition and follow up. You know, um, you know, just the simple area of, of 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 and doing some sort of thing. You know, to say thank you and follow up and exploit it for referral business and these sort of things like that uh, are also not done very well. It's like you know, I've made the money and I've taken the sale and now let me find another sale. You know, uh, rather than building the relationships and doing the things that are effectively working out there. So there was a 26-year gap between the first sort of conference where we met and certainly, you know, when you re-spoke to the real estate industry over in Perth, which was a pretty big event, about a 1,000 people. Um, are you frustrated by what you're seeing as the same mistakes repeated decades on or are you seeing some absolute uh, progress made by real estate professionals, uh, you know, in, in your association with the industry as you've sort of had a connection with it over more than a quarter of a century? Uh, if we take the real estate industry uh, you know in that area i'm seeing the the there's there is a small number of people who are just sensational and do uh, you know and do this sort of stuff right and they they give the reasons justify their fees and they follow up and do it area 
and there's a very large number of people who don't do it very well, you know, uh, uh, around there. And all I'm saying, I think, you know, the gaps between the, the good and the bad is just getting wider and wider. Uh, and ironically, you know, the, the things that need to be done are not rocket science things. You know, simple things like Rick said, oh, I took that guarantee, went back, implemented it in my business, and it worked. You know what I mean? It's just doing stuff, you know, doing stuff that, that, that works. And if there is a low, uh, it, it, you know, if there is a low credibility, when I brought that, uh, I did that guarantee thing with about uh, 16 elders officers in Perth in the year 2000. And they actually followed the results for a, uh, a year afterwards. And they said they had a 25% increase in a flat market of earnings getting into the credibility and the value adding side of their business. Now, the interesting things is the, the, the bar is very low in most industries. And I think the bar is pretty low for real estate agents. And you look at that perceptions of the service delivered you know, in those sort of industries and sales and, and, and property management. And when you get these things right and you promise but you deliver and if you let people down, well, then that's your problem and you and you take blame and responsibility for that rather than making it inconvenient for the client and then you recognise them after the sale and you build relationships, That uh, that's the stuff that, uh, that that works. My, again, my cynical view is I don't think it's any, you know, I don't think we're any better now than we were any 20 years ago. The, the gap's wider. The clever people with people skills and the people who understand that they are, their job is to take the stress away from the clients and build all those sort of things out there are doing much better than the people who don't. But um, the industry is plagued by people who are not fantastic, you know, and uh, and then that's coming back in the, 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 you know, the social media feedback and all of the negative word of mouth that goes on about real estate. It's interesting, you know, people, people, tend to steer away, don't they, to holding themselves to account. They're their, they're their harshest critics now, like, well, if I say this, like, I just think of the, the performance guarantee. It's like, oh, but what, what if I don't? It's like I'm, I'm just going to let them down. So holding yourself to account is the big one. But ultimately, as we know with leadership, and, and Martin, on this, um, on this podcast, we talk a lot about leadership and, um, and, and, and the definition of that and so forth. But one of the big things with leadership is, is to be accountable. So you do need to hold yourself to account. You need to be responsible. So that accountability and responsibility arms uh, are just critical parts in terms of um, that leadership piece. Yes. No, I agree with you 100%. That's, that's very that, – but what we have to do out there is we've got to cut through – the crap in a lot of ways. If you take the example of the, the real estate industry, um, you know, they say things like, uh, you know, what a thousand dollars. Oh, I can get more for your property than any other real estate. What a lot of rubbish. The market works out what a property is worth, not what a real estate agent say, unless that real estate agent is going to buy the bloody property off you. <laughs> you know, uh, when you start saying things like that, I believe you undermine your credibility. You know, these people are saying, I've got the best marketing program that's going to revolutionise and sell your property quicker. What a load of rubbish. You can't say it's the best marketing program. It's your opinion whether it is, and the market will decide whether it's any good. And frankly, there is no best marketing program in the real estate industry. If there was one, everyone would have copied it by now. You know, and then I am the greatest negotiator in the world and I'm going to help you in the property. What a load of rubbish. These people who are talking about what great negotiators are drop their fees as soon as they're trying to get it under pressure in terms of negotiating. <laughs> then one why the client doesn't believe them when they talk about being great negotiators out there. We've got to start cutting out the crap. And and a lot of stuff I see in the real estate industry, they talk things, things that are just subjective statements about themselves, they use as differentiators. Hmm. Why is a listing? 
I'll go the extra mile for you, buddy. What a load of crap. It's just a subjective statement about themselves. And don't you think every other real estate agent's going to say that as well? Hmm. I think what we need to do, it's not unique to real estate. We've got to wind out the crap and understand that what the consumer wants is reasons to justify the relationship with you. Give me objective reasons why. Okay, if you've sold, you know, you've been in the industry 10 years and you've sold $700 million worth of property, well, that's pretty well objective and I can compare your level of experience versus other people who are telling me otherwise out there. I want objective things. The subjective stuff needs to be communicated by the marketplace. If, you know, a vendor testimonials will tell me whether you communicate during the sales process, not your promises out there. So I believe that the most skillful way of getting things across, and it's certainly not radically new, is you've got to give people objective reasons as to why they should give you the listing, backed up by testimonial evidence of other people saying, when this man makes a promise, he keeps it. Because if your client tells me you're a good communicator, or if your past client tells me you're a good negotiator, I'm much more likely to believe it than if you tell me it yourself. And, and I believe that's the fundament, both in real estate and in so many other industries. Mm. Building the reasons why, having the subjective stuff communicated by your client base and social media has made that much more powerful than it ever has been before. And we should be selling in terms of these areas rather than the cliches and so much of the rubbish that's done out there. That's with this whole rating system now, you know, like the, the five stars and the trip advisor and... I think um, and there was a spoon. Yeah, or well, there was a great um, episode. I think it was season three of Black Mirror, where um, where they 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 look at technology in the future and what it could look like, and they how they walk past each other and then rated each other, and then certain establishments only allowed four uh, only allowed four star people to come inside, <laughs> and so everyone's trying to be really nice to each other just to get those five stars. It's an extension, if you will, of what if it all went berserk in terms of what's happening today where you didn't just rate your Uber driver, it was everybody was rated. Yeah, and you know what? That could be society well into the future. That's the science fiction that they were trying to get across. But whether you like it or not, that has revolutionized the world. Look, TripAdvisor changed the world, right? TripAdvisor changed the world fundamentally from a consumer behavior point of view because the first time what the marketplace was saying is, I no longer believe the seller, I want to talk to the buyer, mm. right? And that changed, uh, that made a radical change in the way a lot of people uh, did business. Like if you take international travel, um, you know, 15 years ago, you go to the travel agent and based on her advice and a whole lot of brochures, you decide where you have your holidays. Yeah. Today, you go to TripAdvisor. You don't even go to the hotel's website. You go to TripAdvisor to find out what the people who stayed at the hotel said. You make your purchase decision on the consumer feedback rather than the promotional material of the travel agent. And that has expanded into a lot of other categories as well. Mm. Now, TripAdvisor is the best example of it, but and I don't think Rate My Agent or Google Reviews in the in the real estate have grasped that yet. It will come certainly as time goes by. But if you understand that's how people are making purchase decisions that way, never has there been greater importance in testimony to get your point across to people rather than preaching cliches about yourself. Because nowadays in a lot of industry, people don't even talk to the seller, they go to the review site and make the decision in some cases before they've even come in contact with the seller. Mm. It's really causing people to think, isn't it? I mean, if you're – it's like when you get into an Uber now, I said to the – and some I think they can actually see what the consumer – how many stars they are because <laughs> yeah. they rate us <laughs> as well. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was rated, I don't know, 4.2, 4.3. I'm like, what What, what do you mean 4.2? What was wrong? <laughs> it must have been someone else that used my Uber code to get in or something. No, I think what, it is, what they were saying <laughs> was uh, – 
Rexona's not an island off the Whit Sundays, Peter. Um, I think that's what it is. But it's the same with Airbnb too, Martin, isn't it? That, you know, if I stay at a hotel, you know, I measure that experience, you know, and I, I know you use this example as well, but if I've if I've been dropped off to the hotel by an Uber, you know, I think, you know, I, I order it off an app. Uh, it comes from where I put my pin in. It picks me up. It takes me where I'm asked to be dropped off. There's no money exchange. They're not asking me for my credit card. I go back to the same hotel I stayed at multiple times that they even welcome me back but then they ask at the same time oh by the way can I have your credit card you mean the credit card I booked the hotel with yeah why do you need that it's just our policy well yeah I don't work for the hotel so why would I need to give you my credit card again you've got it anyway but you know they want to go through this antiquated process but Airbnb one of the things that's really interesting is that you know if I stay in a hotel I treat it totally differently to how I treat an Airbnb and the reason I know is is because when I finish at the hotel the towels I leave on the bathroom floor are picked up by some sort of um, you know hotel employee who's going to send them to the hotel laundry if I do that at an Airbnb B, I'm going to be rated poorly. So therefore, my behaviour changes based on the fact yeah, that I'm a consumer. A that's now going to be measured for my next future Airbnb on how I actually look after this Airbnb as a customer. So I think that's the that's the uh, the area you're really passionate about now, aren't you? Do you feel that pressure, Rick? When you I do when I stay at Airbnb because <laughs> I am I am literally at a hotel. I'll use every towel and I'll use every face washer. I'll use everything. And that's, that was my point about Uber. It's um it's like you just you you, you act differently in the car knowing that you're going to be rated. And I'm sure they do as well. That's where it's, you know, with the mints and with the water and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And um, But they created something, some really great. Yeah, but that's a system of mutuality. And I think there's benefits on on both sides there. But I find a lot of business, if you take the hotel, the, the, the situation is the system is more important than the customer, yeah. right? That hotel, like you've gone to that hotel 10 times, you paid your bill every time, 11th time they asked for a credit card. Why? Because the system is more important than you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, What are the odds that you're not going to pay if you paid three times before? It's just ridiculous uh, uh, around there. Uh, uh, Of course, uh, what they're actually calling you is a thief. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Why do you want a credit card call in case you steal stuff? Mm. Well, that's that's what they're doing. Now, of course, you've got to understand if you treat people like thieves, they act like thieves, and the rules at all hotels are if it's not nailed down, it's complimentary, right? (laughs) So. so you might leave the She'd towels say the slipper cabinet at Rick's place. The in the bathroom. I'm using them between my golf balls and I'm throwing them away when I get out of there. The whole element of this is we also have to understand that the customer needs to be more important than the system. Yeah. Uh, and, and you'll find it in, in a, lot of, a lot of industries and stuff like that, why they do these things is more system and convenience of the company more than the benefit of the, the customer. When it's exposed to them, right, they still don't change it. You know, you know, if you said to the person at that hotel, I've stated this hole 10 times before, you've had my credit card, I've never absconded, why do you need my credit card? That person behind the desk, and I don't blame the frontline person, will say, I'm sorry, sir, it's our system, you need to give me a credit card. Mm. You know? And, you know, this is the stuff that I try to satirise. This is the stuff because it desperately needs to be satirised because it's unacceptable that you have no goodwill because the system finds it more convenient to take an upfront credit card. Yeah, I don't have a trouble with that the first time, but if I've stayed there 10 times, I had a sales rep tell me for a pharmaceutical company, he went to Dubbo uh, every week for uh, once a week for three years. For 150 times, the Dubbo Hotel, he had to give his credit card in up front. After 150 times, you know, to do that. And, you know, 
I, again, I don't blame the frontline person, but this stuff is laughable. But in some respects, it's also costing business money. Mm. Well, I think the, I, as I said in the introduction, Martin, I just got back from speaking in Hong Kong, which is an interesting place to be right at the moment with uh, all the protesters going on there. But you know, at this conference, it was an interesting one because they were talking about you know where they can learn some lessons. And one of the examples they gave was, in fact, the hotel industry. And there is this international group at the moment that have got these hotels select hotels where you book it online you don't speak to anybody you book it online here's my dates in this date out that date here's the sort of room I want here's the price we agree that I pay you arrive you don't go to a checking counter you go straight to the elevator scan your credit card so that it's actually been booked by the same credit so long as you it's a bit like a car park as long as you, you're using the same card that you booked the, the hotel with the elevator acknowledges it straight you don't even have to punch in the floor it takes you to the floor that you've already predetermined that it's predetermined you're going to be staying in your credit card is what opens up the door your credit card is what they bill you from and your credit card is also where they may refund stuff if it's not a, you know not to your particular liking you actually don't have a human interaction as much as you get what i want when i want how i ordered it and that they were talking about that's the sort of way that you know hotels have to start thinking about themselves as opposed to all the other areas as you said you know if you treat people like thieves they're going to act like thieves if you treat people like they're going to be rated as much as you know the experience is going to be rated they'll behave differently again yeah, but the, the difference with the hotel industry, and I think that's at Greece using a system that's more in favour of the customer, but this hospitality industry has got to be about personal interaction, mm. you know, that area in the service, you know, in the service point of view. So in some respects, we don't want to go too far, you know, in, in terms of that's, again, done with all respect for the convenience of the hotel. Mm. Let me give you an example. I went to uh, to on a holiday in Hawaii uh, many years ago. I went to this place called the Sheraton Princeville. You have to fly to Honolulu, take another internal flight. You drive all the way around an island, a rental car. We arrive at the hotel and the doorman comes to the car and I said, can you tell me where reception is? He said, you, sir, you don't want to go to reception. I said, no, I don't want to, but we have to check into the hotel. He said, no, we don't work that way. He went to a computer outside the, the hotel, plugged in our uh, room name, said, you're in room so-and-so, this gentleman will take you to your room, just relax, unpack, have a drink, we'll bring reception to you in about 30 minutes, right? And that's exactly what happened. The lady comes in to check us into the hotel, and I said to her, I said, look, I don't mean to disrespect this is Sheraton Hotel, I've stayed at a lot of Sheratons, this is the first hotel in the world where I haven't had to stand in a queue when I'm tired at reception after travelling, what makes this place different from any other? And she said, well, when our June general manager arrived 18 months ago, he was tired after travelling, and he changed the system immediately. <laughs> you know, I, to this day, I've never had that experience at another hotel, even though I must have told a thousand people. And uh, do, do you know what I mean? It's mm. just changes the whole thing. And all it was, was the GM in the mind of the customer and what would be the smoothest transition to make life easier for them. And he implemented automatically. But of course, it couldn't happen at all Sheridan's. And why? Because the system is too big for the customer in that area. And I'm saying, my challenge as I'm challenging businesses is, look, would you do business with yourself based on the way you sell and market? And most people wouldn't. Mm. So what you're saying there is my example is probably an overcorrection <laughs> to the other way. Your one there is a, a great example that can't be scalable based on how the Sheraton probably sees themselves as a global sort of hotel chain in you know, all di different countries, different demographics, different economies of scale, I guess. Correct. But you know what? When I'm working in, in, in businesses, when I'm working with the small guy against the big guy, the big guy's inability to change is one of the greatest assets the small guy has because the small guy can change the system anyway, right? Yeah. Now, I say to my clients, 
you may not be able to change the hospitality industry, but you can change the Sheraton principle, and that applies to any industry. You may not change the whole real estate industry, but you can change your independent operation and yeah. offer a guarantee or whatever it happens to, to, to be out there. The challenge is, can we not at least see this as what's real value to the customer and then customise what we do to fit in what adds value to the customer rather than making the customer to fit in with our system which happens in so many industries. Yeah, it's making a big business small or, or that, that ability to like move in that QE2 versus being able yeah. to sort of manoeuvre yourself on a jet ski and so forth. That's one of the, the, the big challenges businesses have. Or yeah. on the yeah. other side of things, it's the big opportunities that uh-huh. the new businesses have when they're up yeah. against the big guys as well. Yeah. And you know what? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You know, if I'm if I'm selling for Remax real estate, you know, you say you're the biggest real estate company in the world. If I'm the independent next door, the profits stay in Melbourne. Deal with the local bit. You know what I mean? There is there's not just a mortgage on what is the best value added to offer the marketplace. Your challenge is to generate the value added that work in your industry, communicate that to the client, and hopefully charge enough to make sure the client feels what you're offering has value and is worth what you're charging in the marketplace rather than discounting to try and beat the other guy. And that's the real value, I think, that we get from listening to a voice of value like Martin Peter in the sense that he's very strategic in his thinking. So if you're the biggest player in town, here's how you get bigger and here's the, here's the way you you know, market yourself beyond the cliche. Here's the absolute value adds and let's make sure we articulate them and communicate them to the consumer. And here's how you go if you're the you know, the Mar and Park corner store taking on the big guys, the conglomerates. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know it's local residents serving other local residents where every dollar you know that you spend in our store helps our local community doesn't go off to pay some you know corporate conglomerate that's based out of New York or something like that. I, I love your abilities, Martin, to just cut through all of the hype, cut through all of the challenges, and just come up with a simplistic sort of strategy that anyone can implement. Yeah, but you know there's so much crap out there that it's very easy to cut through when you're cynical and you look at it from a devil's advocate point of view you know and it is a matter of you know horses for courses you know they're both you know when the person says we're the biggest real estate company in the world and the little guy says we're independent the profits stay in the in the town they're both reasons to do business with you but they're going to resonate differently in different people's minds and your business skills and what you want to do to sell your service or your business is to give people as many reasons to have the relationship with you, understanding that customers are different and some people care about some things and other people don't care about other things. But unless you communicate all of these things, well, what hope are they going to have to make the decision on anything other than price? Mm-hmm. <laughs> think- you know, the communication issue is what I find what's sadly lacking out there. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I just want to um, dovetail back to something you mentioned before, or the line you were taking before, where the service becomes that good, um, you lose that connection, um, and that is that's a big piece, isn't it? Especially in the hotel world, where people want to feel make make me feel special, make me feel important, and I think if we get we go too far the other way, it gets a bit clinical, and we do lose that heart to heart, eyeball to eyeball, hand to hand. Um, sort of feeling that we get with that with the connection, the power connection, Rick. Oh, there you go. Look, that's a plug for my book, Martin, which is available in all good bookstores <laughs> and crap, 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 crap ones as well by now. But uh, uh, but Martin, the other thing I think is really important because you have worked across so many, like a hundred industries. So you you know you must be seeing some things consistently show up, and you must be seeing some wins that uh, could be duplicit across multiple industries. What as a way of sort of bringing this to a head? We, we, you know, if someone is listening to this and not in the 
the real estate industry because our audience is far and wide and we've got a lot of professional selling uh, industries. We've got sort of leadership uh, challenges. We've got, you know, we, we've brought so many voices of value, but I doubt we've brought one who's very clinical, who can cut through all the hype and just give absolute easy to implement strategies like you. Is there anything that you can leave our listeners as a way of wrapping up that will be a real take home take to the bank we can do this straight away we don't need to wait for some app to do it we can do it straight away let me give you one on websites because i've irritated people that haven't irritated it people yet but i'd like to do that <laughs> uh and you know like most websites are terrible you know why because they're put together by it people who are helicopter heads and should not be allowed to talk to the general public right but what you want is understanding in terms of its marketing elements of your website. For example, most websites have an about us page. Oh, you know, Bill used to be a financial planner. Now he's selling real estate. He's passionate about customers. No one cares, right? What people want on the internet is why choose you rather than any other business. So I, what I believe websites should have is a why choose us page, not an about us page, right? Why choose us page are benefits for the target market to do business with me about us pages are, I'm a wonderful person, let me tell you how great I am, mm. right? And I think the, the element we've been taught in any marketing is it's about the consumer and what's in it for the consumer. And so many industries get this wrong in terms of the way they communicate. They talk about us, I am this, I am that, I am wonderful. When what they should be saying is, here's what's in it for you and the benefits you will gain by having associations with us out there. And again, as, as internet has been around for a long time now, you know, I, I thought actually after the first five or six years for the internet, people would get that. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's actually even been, you know, been, been received and acted on out there. And most websites to this day have an about us page, which is history and achievement and all that sort of thing, which doesn't ingratiate itself. Uh, what the customer wants to know is of all the people in this category, why should I choose you? What's in it for me to choose you rather than telling me how wonderful you are. Uh, and I spend a lot of my time now, one of the things I do when I speak is I give a consultancy free of charge to people. I say, brainstorm me all the non-price value adders of your business of why I should do business with you. Email it to me. I'll get the crap out of it for you. And I'll help you create a Why Choose Us page for your website and take down self-promotion that's not really building any relationship up with the marketplace, which is exactly what Rick did when we met at that conference you know, 25 years ago, whenever it was out there, uh, we are judged by our actions, not our intentions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may have intentions for doing this, but at the end of the day, the customer will judge you by the perceptions you create in their mind. And the best way to do that is to make sure your thinking fits in with how they're making decisions rather than self-promotion, which is the greatest enemy of the real estate industry where people are really bad at real estate and justifiably bad at real estate. But when they get good at real estate, they start telling the world how wonderful they are and instead of adding more value to their customers. So yeah. even the as a huge wanker mentality, you know, because all they want to do is tell the world how wonderful they are and they wouldn't have got to where they were if they weren't looking after the customer, which is what the whole thing should be about. And, you know, we, we spoke at a conference last month, Martin, and um, ironically, I didn't realise that you were in the room at some stage when you gave me that feedback. It was heartwarming because I, one of my messages to the audience at that stage is, can we have a look at our websites team? Like, you know, you don't see a heart searching at the front of uh, a social media page saying, just saved another life. How good am I? How awesome am I? 
and yet we're posting all this stuff about just sold one 200 grand above reserve. No, you didn't. The market took it 200 grand above reserve, which said you undervalued it by 200,000. Thank God they went to auction. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got that result. You know, it's, it's that kind of – and the other thing which frustrates me about real estate websites is – you want to email someone, you're trying to find out their details. It's like, yeah, fill in this form and we'll send – like, sorry, are we working for ASIO now? Do we need to be CIA operatives? What is going on there? When I look at martingrunstein.com, you know, your, your – .au. .au, yeah, I was about to add that. Um, you know, when I see that there, there's every possible way you can contact Martin. There's is, is a direct landline, there's a mobile number, there's an email address, There's but there's no forms to fill out. I love that. But you know what's interesting that I learned very recently, or not recently, maybe five, ten years ago about that, was I had to change my website uh, as a speaker. You know, what they want to see is, you know, what you like in front of an audience. So I used to have a, you know, a videos page and whatever. And one thing I did learn in that area is now I have video on my homepage because people don't want to do three clicks, you know, to go to different and that I found my clients like making the decision within, you know, 90 seconds. So if I didn't have video and stuff on the homepage with contact details, I'm losing the business simply because I'm not fitting in with how people are making decisions. Mm. And the element I'm trying to get across in everything I teach in this sort of area is we've got to stop doing things the way we've done. We've got to fit in with how people are making decisions and then customise what we do to fit in with how they're making decisions out there. On that real estate, you're talking about the, the, the wankers in the real estate industry. I uh, when I bought and sold property many years ago, I went from a, actually a unit to a house in the same road, Cook Road, Centennial Park in, in Sydney. And the real estate agent had sold a few um, properties in that area. So he put photos of himself and on every pole that said, King of Cook Road, right? Because he wanted everybody to know he was the super in that area. What he didn't realise was the kings of Cook Road were the vendors and the mm. buyers. Mm. He put his ego in front of that. Everyone just thought he was a wanker, you, mm. you know, to do that. What he should have done is make the customers the heroes, you know, to do that because that resonates with how customers make their decisions rather than letting their ego get in the way of what they're doing. Mm. And we think the suburb is the star and we think that the actual property is the star and we think the vendors' hopes and dreams, we just want to help them move to a better place. And I think, you know, the smart real estate agents have plugged in on that. I think the other thing, if we're hearing anything in this interview, Pete, you're hearing about the power of why and, you know, 25 years before Simon Sinek got, that sort of TED talk to go viral, you know, Martin Grunston was talking about this stuff, yeah. you know, all those years ago about let's not go there and tell them what we do or even how we do it. Let's go and explain why we do what we do, which is to give them the best opportunity to move to a better place, whatever that looks like. And I always remember that resonated with me, you know, it was 26 years ago and to have that reconnection last month, Martin has been an absolute gift. Peter, this has been uh, just content driven, lots of good concepts there. How could people not benefit from listening to this one? I would have thought. Oh, look, without a doubt, Rick, and, and what it does is it just makes you really really think and as you speak Martin I just I think about what we do in our business and how we do it and I, I read the article that you wrote recently about um, the, the all around the the agents and commissions and 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 I'm good at this or I'm good at that whatever it may be and I've actually been sharing with a lot of people um, a couple of your philosophies of recent times and one of the big things we we talk about now within our four walls is really how you're going to take the stress away how you're going to make it easier for me uh, to move from point A to point B. And I tell you what, if you can actually nail that, um, you're going to go a long way to actually really impressing the client or the customer and so forth. You know, a lot of these principles are are very easy, but we just sometimes we just choose not to do them. And it, we, we, we look for this instant gratification or we look for these shortcuts. Um, there, are, and, there are no, that's the issue. Yeah, mm, there are yeah. no shortcuts. My favourite testimonial, I can't put it on my website because you'll see when I tell you, I spoke at a, a PRD conference many years ago for their top 
fifty and whatever. And I got uh, I got an email uh, seven months later from one of the principals who said. I sat through your half-day presentation at our conference and frankly was offended by most of it. I don't think you have any right to to, to talk to us uh, the way you did. Um, however, I got two ideas that I implemented and have made over $60,000 in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite testimony, you know what I mean? Uh, how good, how good is that? <laughs> but I've taken that attitude when I speak at, uh, at conferences and maybe because I'm old and cranky now, I just cut through it. I, I say, look, I'm going to irritate you. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, big deal but you know at the end of the day i just don't want to say the crap you've heard all before because you've been to a million conferences i want to irritate you and make you uncomfortable up to change the status quo because it's discomfort and inertia that is the enemy of everything we're trying to do out there and change business mm. Mm. and i think you know it'd be fair to say I, I i can safely say this i think you're always grumpy i think you're always cynical <laughs> uh, because i think you you find those two emotions are a way to really look pass through all the gloss and yeah, real estate agents let's be honest or anyone listening to this podcast they're probably better marketers of what they do than doers of it and so you're very big into the doing and the action and the follow through and you know I, I i think you're right i think the bar is set maybe a little bit higher than it was 26 years ago when we first met martin but it doesn't take that much to go from good to great in our industry or any industry for anyone listening here if you just implement a few strategies from let's look through the lens of the consumer not through our lens let's look through what their hopes and dreams are can we make this seamless can we make this an exciting sort of transaction for them or an exciting move for them or you know an exciting experience for them and that's where the value will really come if we connect on an emotional level we're going to have a great experience and I think that's really the the context of your message yeah and i also think from an education point of view i think you know i've been to god knows how many conferences in the last 30 years but there's very much a you are guys are all wonderful let's all feel good we're sitting here on the island and stuff like that and i actually think what's more needed is you guys aren't so wonderful do you know what i mean in fact there's a lot of things going wrong you guys should get off your ass you're doing this 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 badly this crap doesn't work anymore here's a couple of ideas it's all right to tear them down but you also want to give them ideas on how to put it back together again you know uh, to do that and i find myself as a cynic at conferences quite frankly most of the conferences like it i'm bored out of my brain with the crap i'm hearing up there and most of it is just you know sanctimonious rubbish you know, <laughs> tell us what whole, you really think <laughs> The whole, but the whole heiress, I and at the end of the day, I'm saying to the the client there, look, I don't really care as far as conference evaluation, whether they laughed at my jokes or something like that. The feedback you want to get is I got off mass, I did something, and I did something that produced a return on investment. And I find the better the people are, the more they want to be challenged and sucked up to, yeah. you know, uh, around it. And the people at the bottom, they're not going to do anything anyway. They're only at the conference for the beer, and they're not going to be of any value anyway. So don't aim at the bottom 20%. Your job is to challenge people to feel uncomfortable enough to make changes in the way they do business to get a result out there rather than we felt good for an hour and laugh. Well, I think we've definitely done that and certainly, you know, in this podcast here, I think it's been an absolute just refreshing to Brilliant, hear. Brilliant, Martin. Brilliant. You know, just simplistic, straightforward, no bull. Here it is. If you want to do it, it's not that hard. Most won't do it anyway. So you've already got a strategic advantage if you just, you know, take these things and, and make them happen. MartinGrunstein.com.au is your website. Uh, how would people best get in touch with you, Martin? Is it an email? What, what's, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, just jump on the website and contact me through that. That's, that's the best they can find out in five minutes if they like me or not by the video. <laughs> and if, if you don't like Martin, he doesn't care. Uh, yeah. I think that's really the, the message here. It's not, <laughs> well, that's well, not that he doesn't care. It's just that uh, he, you know, he understands. That's all I need to get through life. To, uh, to do that, I don't need the love of other people out there. You know what I mean? I, you know, I think sometimes the greatest compliment you can pay someone is, 
I disagreed with you. You gave me an insight and I changed my mind and I'm thinking differently. I think, you know, if we're educators, surely that's what our job is to do rather than to be like. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what, a, what a perfect message for the middle of spring and, and people start to sort of set up and start the planning process within the next couple of weeks for their 2020 to set that up brilliantly well and um, a, a great chance for, for teams to sort of look within and sort of have a, have a really assess their whole customer experience out there. But Martin, on behalf of us all here at Voices of Value, you have given incredible amounts of value to us and all the listeners today. And for that, we say uh, a very heartfelt thank you. Thank you, mate. Uh, my pleasure. Lovely to talk to you guys and I wish your listeners all the best. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos, and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source, and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, Voices of Value Podcast. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.